someone's trying to communicate something to you, and you're having a hard time understanding them, or maybe it's vice versa, where you're trying to tell somebody something, and they're not exactly following what you're saying. Maybe you felt something like this in this kind of situation. There was a young man from the city, and he was out visiting the dude ranch in the country, and he wanted to appear as if he knew what he was talking about. The city boy wanted to talk as if he knew the surroundings and as if he'd been on a dude ranch before. So he went out walking with one of the, the hired men from the dude ranch there, and uh, the city boy started up this conversation. And he looks over there and he says, Say, look at that, that big bunch of buffaloes. The hired hand replied, Not bunch, but, but herd. City boy says, Heard what? Heard of buffaloes. Sure, I've heard of buffaloes. There's a big bunch of them right over there. Communication doesn't always happen easily. And, and sometimes we're not sure if we're not hearing straight or if it's not being communicated to us accurately. Uh, there's a whole host of problems in communication. I think this is something like what must have felt like for Jesus and the disciples here in John 6. We're going to pick up in John 6 here in just a moment. Um, if you haven't turned there yet, get your thumb there. We're in verses 60 through uh, 70 in John 6. The scene opens here with Jesus trying to communicate the truth of what today we're going to call the hard path. He's trying to communicate to his followers the hard path of following him. Let's go ahead and look at verses 60 to 61 here. They say this. When many of his disciples heard it, now disciples, small d, this is a large group of followers. When lots of his disciples here, when many of his disciples heard it, what is it? Not sure. We'll come back to that in a second. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? There's the it again. But Jesus, verse 61, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, they said to them, or he said to them, do you take offense at this? There's that it again, offense to this, to it. You ever jumped into the middle of a conversation and, and, and to sound like you know what you're talking about, you sort of chime in and you say, uh-huh, yeah. You, you just sort of agree with whatever's going on. You know, I, I, I sort of imagine that a couple of these followers of Jesus were in the middle of this conversation and, and, and felt like they're jumping in and just sort of saying, uh-huh, yeah, I follow you. Sort of like, I can imagine Barney Fife would do that. He's in the middle of this conversation and they're talking about something he's not really sure about. But he's saying, yeah, uh-huh, oh, I gotcha. Hard teaching, hard teaching. What teaching? That's what some of these disciples must have felt like. What teaching? What are they talking about? Let's back up here in this uh, conversation, and we'll see what they're talking about. We'll look at what this hard teaching is that they're talking about. Turn back in uh, John 6 to verse 26 and 53. We're going to look at those two verses there to help describe what they're talking about. Verses 26 and 53. Jesus had just miraculously fed the 5,000. He had walked on water. He had been uh, going around doing lots of miracles. So the crowds were beginning to get excited about this Jesus guy and beginning to follow him. Read with me in verse 26 where Jesus gives them this challenge. He says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, 
but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So they're thinking, okay, <laughs> the miracles were cool and, and, and you did feed us, but I don't quite get it. So Jesus goes on in verse 53 to say this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Imagine the followers of Jesus after hearing these two verses, these two sayings, these, these hard teachings. The followers of Jesus must have been thinking to themselves, okay, first you say, I'm seeking you not because of the signs and the miracles, but because you fed me. Okay, <laughs> maybe so. But then instead you say, I need to feed on your own flesh and blood. Hard teaching indeed. Hard teaching doesn't even touch the absurd nature of of what these followers uh, were were thinking that Jesus meant by this. It's no no wonder that the early Christians were, were, were accused of being cannibals. Jesus himself says these words in verse 53. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And then he says, in verse 58, he begins to explain it, and he says, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. You see, for them, Jesus had become sort of this this superman providing an all-you-can-eat buffet for them and doing lots of neat miracles. I mean, who who wouldn't want to follow that? Who, Who wouldn't want to be a part of following someone who feeds you and who does supernatural miracles and heals people. But then Jesus starts to claim to be the bread of life, to to come from heaven, to say things about being the promised Messiah and and the Son of Man. And and the people couldn't couldn't stomach that. They They didn't quite catch what he meant by that. They were still stuck on this material thing about about healing people about seeing suffering and wounds being healed, about feeding the insides, about taking care of my physical needs. When Jesus' meaning was to go beyond that to the spiritual, the deeper spiritual meaning of who he was. And so now these these poor disciples, these poor followers of Jesus were, were very confused. So back to verse 60. As you can see, the struggle here uh, happens because of this confusion. The real Jesus, they are beginning to find out in verse 60. The real Jesus is not always easy to listen to or to follow. For many, Jesus had been easy to follow. He'd done great things, performing miracles and healings, feeding over 5,000, walking on water. It's easy to follow somebody who does those kinds of things. But now it was beginning to get a little more difficult The text tells us that they were listening, that they were hovering in, they were taking it all in, hearing as best as they were able, and they were beginning to rightfully conclude that this following Jesus path was hard. Following Jesus was no longer going to be an easy task because he was starting to say things that disrupted and upset the orthodoxy of their day. Jesus knows, by the way, that he is doing that very thing. He knows full well. He knew their attitude. He understood their confusion. 
So he begins to tell them with these truths today. These truths that were not just merely physical and material, but spiritually discerned and understood truths. You don't just literally eat this truth and it becomes part of you. The disciples at this point were hoping, (laughs) if only it were that easy. Let's pick it up in verses 61 to 65 here in John the 6th chapter. But Jesus, knowing in himself that the disciples, that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, do you take offense at this? Verse 62, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, verse 65, this is why I told you that no one comes to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Jesus, in effect, is saying, do you really need me to do one more miracle? I mean, what if you saw me with the full weight of my glory? Would that then convince you? Because you've been seeing me do miracles all along. Jesus knows at this point that not everybody is going to be on the same page with him. He knows not everybody is going to be on that same hard path with him. He's well aware of the cost, and he understands that some will turn away. You see, friends, Jesus knew well the truth that his path himself would be hard. He knew that very few would be able to follow him down that road. In fact, no one can follow Jesus down that hard path, the road to the cross. The road to the cross, my friends, is the hard path. The hard path of sharing in Christ's burden that demonstrates itself in the cross. That was the essence of his call here to those who would be his disciples. Can you? Can you follow me to the cross? Can you follow me so closely that you would lose your own life? Numerous times in the Gospels, Jesus says something to the effect of, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. They're beginning to see that following Jesus is a hard path. Verse 66 So this is what happens. After this, many of his disciples, this is the larger crowd, the small d, not quite the 12 yet. But verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They abandoned the path. They went back home. You can't help but feel a great deal of sadness at this point. For the tragedy of knowing that only those who follow Jesus to the cross and to the hard path also enjoy the benefits of that Jerusalem we heard sung about earlier. You can't help but feel a loss and a sadness. And if you sense that sadness, that's the burden of the cross that Jesus must have felt far worse than any of us can imagine. 
the public ministry and, and miracles campaign had been successful. But the followers' grumble, grumbling began to turn to arguing, and now we see it begins to turn into rejection. The rejection of Jesus, because they're beginning to see that this path was a, was a harder path than they'd thought. It was probably a harder path than they'd been taught. I think a lot of us have that same, that same conflict and confusion and difficulty with what it means to follow and to share in that burden. There was a first grade teacher that tells about an interaction that she had with one of her students on the first day of school. It was first grade. And because this little kid, Ryan, was accustomed to going home at noon in kindergarten, little Ryan started to get his things ready to leave for home when he was actually supposed to be going to lunch with the rest of the class. So the teacher asked him what he was doing. Ryan, what's going on here? And he says, I'm going home. The teacher, of course, tried to explain that uh, now that he's in first grade, he would have a longer school day. Well, the teacher said, you'll, you'll, you'll go to lunch now, and, and then you'll come back to the room, and you'll do some more work, and then you'll go home. <laughs> Ryan, this little first grade kid, he looks up at the teacher in disbelief, hoping she was kidding. Convinced of her seriousness, though, Ryan then put his hands on his hips and demanded, well, who on earth signed me up for this program? As believers, I think it's easy to feel like little Ryan sometimes. <laughs> Who signed me up for this? I like, the, I like the coming in the city part where we cheer and we say Hosanna. I don't really like that part later on in the week where suffering and pain happens. The requirements seem daunting. Surely, surely the Lord doesn't actually expect me to forgive 70 times 7. Surely, he doesn't actually want me to turn the other cheek when someone hurts me. What does he mean by this, take up my cross? It isn't long before you begin to say in the Christian life, who on earth signed me up for this program? At this point, everybody but the twelve began to desert Jesus. Those, those who deserted him are sort of like the parable of the sower. It's the rocky ground who quickly embraced Jesus without fully grasping what it would mean and what it would cost. And they began to wither away because they saw the path becoming hard. On another occasion, Jesus would say, he who is not with me is against me. And I think that applies here as well. There had been many who had followed Jesus as small-d disciples up to this point, but they did not really believe in the way, in the path, in the course he was going to be taking in his ministry as the Messiah who would die. You see, they had their temporal needs, their, their physical needs met. They were excited about the miracles, but now he was rearranging their actual priorities and, and, and into spiritual priorities into priorities that last beyond just this life. This was more than they had anticipated. And so they were out of here. So, verse 67. Jesus said to the twelve, this is the twelve disciples, 
do you want to go away as well? Jesus turns to them, the true believers, the real followers, and he asks them a question that expects a negative answer. Do you want to go away as well? It was a test for them, a determining test for them as well as for us. Friends, every one of us must ask ourselves, you and I must ask ourselves, what do we really seek in the Christian life? Do you and I, do we want the shiny product without the hard path? Do you want the easy parts and not the hard ones? Are you simply in this for the product? Or are you willing to go through the process? The people who had left were excited about the product. People were getting well. People were being fed. Life was good. But Jesus was pointing to more than just that. But the process a hard path down which disciples would follow. You see, friends, the kind of path that ends in a cross is always a hard path. <laughs> and that's the path to which he calls us. And so I love this, verses 68 and 9. Simon Peter, out of desperation, he answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom shall we go, he says. I can imagine Peter saying something like, Lord, you're not easy to live with. You embarrass us. And at times, you even frighten us. We don't always understand you. But we've come to believe and to know that your words of eternal life are the most remarkable that have ever been spoken or heard. They explain us. They explain life to us. They satisfy us beyond those physical things. And we are held here by them. You see, these disciples, with a capital D, had become more convinced about Jesus because of their fellowship together. Their travel together. Their path of following had meant that they became part of the process. And for them, that path of being together was a process that would result in the cross. You and I may not be called to die on a cross. I hope we're not. But you might be called to greater participation in the family of God that helps us become the kind of people who would be prepared if it did end in a cross. Losing your life to save it might mean taking us places we never thought or imagined we would go. Are you and I a part of the process in the family of God in a way that means that you and I, on that hard path, could be the kind of disciples, capital D, who would say to him, you're all I've got. You're all I've got. Friends, that kind of following of Jesus takes resolve. It takes 
continued recurring trust and faith that Christ's demonstration of going down that hard path will take us where he has promised. You see, being a fellowship of of believers, uh, of, of followers of Christ, the body of Christ, who is together on that hard path, requires the kind of determination to follow Jesus wherever he leads. Lots of animals have a curious habit of steering a straight course, no matter the obstacle that might be in their way. A black bear that's swimming in the water, for instance, will not turn to the right or the left for almost any reason. Boats, floating logs, reeds, whatever. Large tropical snakes, in fact, will slither right over a boat or canoe rather than go around it in the water. Some land turtles, in fact, are so determined to proceed in a straight line that they will push headfirst all day against a telephone pole rather than go around it. Might sound silly, and we might laugh at those animals about their stubbornness and maybe lack of knowledge, but those animals are only following an instinct buried deep inside them. It's the same instinct that lies deep within us as humans. Sometimes it results in tragic and foolish mistakes, but when it's guided and focused by the Holy Spirit, this instinct to steer a straight course, no matter the obstacle, becomes a beautiful and marvelous thing that makes us a part of the process of sharing in the burdens and the sufferings of Christ and the cross. Friends, that burden that Christ fell on the cross was for you and for me to know him in personal and intimate kinds of ways so that we would enjoy eternity with him. The burden with Christ on the cross was to take our stubbornness, our silliness, our frailties, our sins, up to that place called Calvary so that you and I could share in the glory of demonstrating that in our own lives. And we would not be bound by sin that holds us from a relationship with him. Friends, for us, as the body of believers, the hard path might call us to things we may feel like we're not ready for, we weren't told about, we may not be excited about. But friends, the hard path is the only path that results in you and I having eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. And so for us, what greater What greater thing can we do with our lives than be a part of that redemptive process in our lives, in our friends' lives, in the lives of friends and family around us? God is shaping and making us into the kind of fellowship where we can be about the hard path, where we can be about the process of becoming who God wants us to be. For some of you, that process here might simply mean Instead of just Sunday mornings, you go to that Sunday school class where you can get to know some people beyond this. 
You come to that Wednesday night adult Bible class so that you can share in fellowship with one another and become a part of the body of Christ more than just what you see here. For some of you, it might mean uh, stepping up to the plate and serving in a way that you may not be aware of yet or, 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 or don't do yet. That's a hard path for some of you, to step up and serve in ways that you might not be serving now. There's no shortage of things to do around here. For some of us, the hard path might be involvement in church leadership. Friends, that's a hard path. Being the kinds of people as elders who are called to pray and to lead and to oversee what happens here at First Christian Church. The hard path means different things to different people, wherever we are on that path, on that journey. But we want here to create the kind of environment where we are cultivating growth with one another so that we can continue to become the kind of people God made us to be. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And, and when we do that, what we're saying is we invite you as an immersed believer in Jesus to be a member of this church if you're looking for a good church home. We also invite you, if you've not named Jesus as Lord and Savior, to come forward as we, as we gather here, to come forward and publicly confess, I want to give my heart to Jesus. For some of you, it might mean, I, I just need to be prayed for. I, I, need, I need something in my heart to be talked about and prayed for because I'm struggling and, and the hard path is, is difficult for me. So wherever you are in that process, in that journey, we ask that as uh, we stand to sing that you would come forward.